Good morning. Good morning. This morning. It's good to be here with all of you. When uh, Marvin had called and asked if I would come down here, he had asked me if I'd been to Gila before, and I said, yeah, but it's been a long time. And I had to think about it, and then I was talking to my wife about it, and she said, yeah, it's been a long time. The winter of 2002-2003 was the last time I was down in this country, and that was in my heathen days, so I was not looking for a Baptist church at that point. So, you could turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 25, Matthew chapter 25. Thomas Edison once said that opportunity is missed by most people because it is dressed in overalls and looks like work. <laughs> Wasted opportunities. We can all look back at our lives and, and think of times where we wasted an opportunity. You know, and it could have been a financial opportunity. It could have been a wasted opportunity with a loved one who is now gone. And it could be a wasted opportunity for the Lord. In Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14, we read, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had made the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I scattered no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming... I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, 
even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Please pray with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you, Father, that your word speaks with relevance to our lives, just as the day that it was written, Lord. We ask that you would highlight to each of us this morning the application for our lives. We ask that you give us ears to hear and hearts open and ready to understand. In Christ's name. We read in this account in Matthew, which is part of what is called the Olivet Discourse. And this is the parable of a man who is a master, and he is going on a journey. This man, the master, in this parable is representing Christ. And he takes a portion of his possessions, and he just literally hands them over to his employees, his servants, and leaves on this trip. Some translations refer to these servants as slaves. The Greek word here for servant actually means a skilled servant or a skilled bond slave. So certainly not a low-level slave. They could have been you know, carpenters or metal workers or leather workers or some type of you know, agricultural specialty of some type. But they were definitely not a low-level type of a slave. The master says, I'm going on this trip. I'm leaving you my stuff. See ya. And this was really common during this time period. You know, for in our culture, it might be like an absentee landowner who owns a ranch and has someone else taking care of it for them while they're gone. That, it might be similar to something like that. Sometimes there's a little confusion over this text. When people hear the word talent, we think of the English word talent. The English word talent is actually derived from this parable. But that word is meaning a special skill or an ability that, is, um, that a person has. And that's a fitting connection to draw because any special skills or abilities we have come from God. They don't come from something that we've done our own selves. Today we have talented musicians, talented artists, and, and we tend to equate talent with ability. And that's not the case here. In verse 15, it says, each according to his own ability. That word ability means power, might, or strength. They were not given special abilities. They were given opportunities to use the abilities that they already possessed. In the time that when Jesus was speaking this, a talent was not a coin or a specified currency amount, it was actually a measure of weight. And it, could, and it was commonly used for weighing gold, silver, or bronze. Obviously, gold would be worth more than bronze. A Roman talent weighed about 70 pounds. A Greek talent weighed about 60 pounds. And a Babylonian talent weighed just under 70 pounds. In the Old Testament, Exodus 25-39, the large gold menorah, which is the seven-branched candle stand that was in the tabernacle, we're told it weighed a talent. So somewhere in that 70-pound range. The language that is used here in the original Greek 
leads most commentators to believe that, that they're talking about silver, not gold or bronze, just by the language that is used. That's not specifically clear, but that is what most commentators believe. And that would have been about 15 to 20 years wages for one of these servants. So we're talking a significant amount of money. The details of the money aren't really the important part, but what everyone did with it, that is the important part. Back in verse 15, to each according to his ability. They are each given a responsibility, but the level of that responsibility varies. If the master had given a five-talent employee one, he would have been frustrated because he would have felt like he could have done more than what he had. But if he had given a one or a two-talent employee five, they'd have been overwhelmed. So the master looked at each of his servants and gave them what they could handle. And I think that kind of that distinction catches my attention because I think, you know, with the five-talent employee, when he started his employment or term of service with the master, I'm sure he was not a five-talent employee right in the beginning. But over time, the master saw that he was responsible and he gave him more and more responsibility. God designed us all to be unique and different. We have different capacity of abilities. The point of the parable is not that five-talent folks are better than one talent, but it's about the faithfulness that they each had. So the master leaves, goes on his journey, and in that time period, when people would take a journey like that, they might be gone for a month, or they might be gone for two years, because you know they weren't going out there and jumping on a Southwest flight and flying somewhere. They were traveling. They didn't have a car. Tesla wasn't around. They, you know, they were going on a journey, and it took time. The master leaves no clue to how long he's going to be gone, so they don't know. And we're told that at once. They went to work. That word at once literally means immediately. Immediately they went to work. Now, this phrase at once in the Greek is used several times in the New Testament. But one of the times that it is used is in John 5, 9 with the healing of the lame man at the pool of Bethesda. When it says that Christ healed him and it says at once. Instantly, immediately, the man was healed. And in this case, instantly, immediately, this the servant goes to work. He, he goes to work because he doesn't know how long he's going to have. At once, showed prompt obedience. They, the five and the two-talent employee both immediately went to work. It shows maximum commitment. That's the point that the Lord's making here. They weren't wishy-washy. They weren't on the fence. They weren't fooling around. Well, I'm going to go fishing for a couple of days. Then I'll get to work. No, they immediately went to work. I can imagine that Mr. Five Talents is thinking to, my, to himself, here's my opportunity to put my time into it and show the master what I can really do. I'm going to show him that he was right 
in trusting me. Mr. Two Talents acts the same way. You know, and again, it's not about the capacity. It's about the equal percent of faithfulness and the equal result. The issue is not how much we have, but how well we use what we have. The phrase he made means to profit. It means that they made a profit. The word traded literally means to work or to labor. He made a profit on the master's money. Now, we are not told specifically how they made that, other than the fact that it involved labor, and they did it. Other than that, you know, it could have been a real estate deal, an ag deal. I mean, we have no idea. But the point is that they immediately went to work and immediately were faithful in doing what the master had told them to do. The one talented servant, he didn't do so well. We aren't told that he was immediate in his <laughs> obedience. As a matter of fact, he just went and buried his talent. Now, in our world, we don't commonly bury money. And, you know, my grandfather used to bury money, but that was kind of a Depression era leftover kind of a thing. The I used to work on this ranch in Montana that the local legend was that one of the previous owners had buried money. So some of the relatives of that previous owner used to come out sometimes and want to know if they could go look for the, the hidden treasure. I, nobody ever found it, but you know they thought that he had buried money out there somewhere. And uh, it's like, well, there's 20,000 acres. Good luck finding it. You know? and, uh, <laughs> And, and they would go out sometimes and look for it. About every summer they'd come out and go look for it. But in our day, that's not common. In this day, it was common. But was it that the servant was thinking, oh, I'm going to keep the master's money safe? No, and rather than seizing an opportunity laid before him, he just buried it. He just did nothing. Absolutely nothing. Completely wasted his opportunity. Now, this is not in any way saying that one-talent folks are lesser than five-talent or two-talent, thank God. And it, but it is saying that even if you have one opportunity, a small opportunity, we're still responsible before God for even a little opportunity. This servant bears the marks of a false servant in that he made nothing in terms of effort. He's like the virgin with no oil in her lamp in Matthew 25, 8. Like the tree with no fruit in Luke 13, 6. No service rendered, nothing. He did nothing with the opportunity at all. He could have been a five-talent or a three-talent or a two-talent, but Jesus used one talent employee in this parable to say, even if you have a small opportunity, you still need to be faithful. God gives us time, abilities, resources according to our abilities, and he expects us to invest them wisely until he returns. In verse 19, it tells us, now after a long time, the Greek word here for for the phrase long time means a delayed 
period of time. Long ages, a long period. He, Jesus is telling his disciples and us, I'm not coming back as quick as you think. It's going to be a while. But he is also telling them and us that we need to be faithful until he does come back. A couple of years ago, I received a request to watch a video that supposedly was going to reveal the time of Christ's return. Usually, I totally ignore that kind of thing, but I was asked if I would watch this video and then respond. And the guy had this formula that if you took the word corona and turned the letters into numbers and multiplied it by the circumference of the world, subtracted by the number of people in Israel, multiplied it by the number of words in the book of Revelation, that's whole big long. I mean, 20 minutes for him to write on this whiteboard his whole formula to say that Jesus was coming back in 2021. Well, you probably noticed it's 2023 and we're all still here. So we don't know when he's coming. But we do know he is coming, and we need to be ready. See, the disciples were expecting Christ to return in their lifetime. They thought he was coming in their lifetime. In, in the book of Acts, chapter 1, and verses 7 through 8, just before the ascension, Jesus tells them, the Father knows the time, don't worry about it, go preach the gospel. That's the Michael Tanner paraphrase. But... Here Jesus is telling them and us, I am coming back, but it's going to be a while, and you need to be watching, waiting, and working. In verse 20, listen to the word order in the original Greek. It says, Lord, five talents you delivered to me. Behold, five talents more I have gained. The emphasis is on the five talents. This man is excited, and rightly so. He knows that he has worked hard, and he has something to show for it. But notice that he isn't arrogant about it. He isn't boastful. He recognizes and acknowledges that the talents, the opportunities, came from the master, not from his own doing. Yet, he rejoices that he was faithful in doing what the master told him to do. In verse 21, the master responds and he recognizes the integrity and the heart of his servant. The master responds generously and graciously. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. The word good means excellent, good, inherently good, reliable, trustworthy, faithful. The master is not saying you did well, and you could be trusted in this. He is stating a characterization. He is saying, you are good, you are trustworthy. It's not just a comment on his work and his service. It's also a comment on his character. Excellent, good, trustworthy. Think about that for a minute. The holy, almighty God, creator sustainer and redeemer of the universe is going to say well done good and faithful servant to those who have been faithful 
the servant with five talents receives three commendations from the master. The servant with the two talents was faithful also, and he receives the exact same commendations. Now we reach verse 24, and we go from a glad part of the story to a very, very sad part of the story. Two things show us the real character of Mr. One Talent. One, he produced nothing. And second, he starts off by attacking the character of his master. He says, I knew you to be a hard man. Well, that's his opinion. And it's the opinion of a man who completely wasted an opportunity. Now, he did not spend all of his money in wild living like the prodigal son did. He didn't embezzle it like the servant in Matthew 18. He just did nothing. He says to him, you're a hard man, meaning unmerciful, ungracious, unkind. What a contrast to the view the other two servants showed. Why, why would they have worked so hard for, for such a horrible master, if that's true? Then he accuses the master of being a thief, saying, reaping where you didn't sow. And then he says, I was afraid. What a stupid excuse. Notice the response of the master. He doesn't say, oh, I'm really sorry that you misunderstood me. Let's go to your safe space and we can drink hot cocoa. <laughs> he says in verse 26, you wicked, slothful servant. That's such a dramatic difference between, he just said good and faithful servants. Now he's saying you wicked, slothful servant. Then the master repeats back to him the lie that he told him, saying, if you really believed that, if you really thought that, then, then you would have put my money in the bank, and I would have received the interest back. The Roman Empire had a banking system similar to ours, and historical records show that at one point they were loaning money out at 12% interest. I would like to get 12% on my money, but that's not going to happen. The master is saying, at least I would have drawn some interest if you had put it in the bank. He exposes the lie, exposes the laziness. The one talent that he had was given to the servant who started out with five talents. We're not really told why. Then he is cast out. Matthew describes hell as darkness. John describes God as light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. The one talent servant represents the unsaved. They hear the message of salvation and are blessed by God with the gospel message, but they don't respond to it. They do nothing. They bury it. Sometimes this text is, misunderstood or possibly misinterpreted, implying that works play a part in our salvation. And absolutely nothing could be further from the truth. 
in a chapter or book of Ephesians, chapter 2, in verses 8 and 9, we read, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Works have nothing to do with our salvation. But what the parable does teach, and then what Paul writes again in 2 Corinthians 5.10, we are going to give an accounting for the work that we do for the Lord while we are here. We are not saved by that work, but we will give an account for it. Every Christian is entrusted with some responsibility for the kingdom. Some will take this seriously and invest their lives wisely. And others will squander this opportunity, wasting it. The part of the kingdom entrusted to each of us is precious to the Lord. He is hurt by the mishandling of a lifetime of opportunity, but he rejoices over a lifetime well spent. He has placed in our hands what is his own. What a sobering thought that is, to be stewards of kingdom resources. In Joshua 24, 15, Joshua gives the people of God a famous challenge, saying, choose this day who you will serve. I'm going to tell you on February the 5th, 2023, I hope that you will choose today with me that we will not bury any opportunities from the Lord. That we will seize those opportunities and give them everything we have because they have been entrusted to us. I don't know about you, but... I would like to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, when I get to heaven. I don't want to hear, why did you waste opportunities? I gave you opportunities to share the gospel, to be the salt and the light to a dying world. We need to fight the good fight, finish the race, share the gospel of Jesus Christ, and stay faithful. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Father, we are so humbled that you would choose to entrust your resources, that you would choose to use imperfect us to carry out your work to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, I ask that you would impress on all of our hearts, Lord, that we would not waste opportunities, that we would not waste time for you, that we would be faithful, not for our own glory, but for yours. It's all about you. It is not about us. In Christ's name.
if you are here this morning and you would say, no, I might be in the one talent camp. I might not even be a believer. Don't walk out that door without changing that. If you're here this morning and, and you would like prayer over something related to this message or over something completely unrelated to this message, I will be down here in the front and you can come forward.